Enough to Remember by Walter Baum. Selecting pansies at a local nursery in southern New Jersey with my young daughters was the last place I expected to confront an unfulfilled sexual fantasy. It was spring, a warm Saturday, a day for perennial optimism about the future, but today it was all about the past. Daddy, I want red ones with yellow middles, Nancy, six, yelled from the muddy flower beds. I want the purple ones and yellow ones, Madeline said. No, no, they won't go together, Nancy replied, wearing a purple paisley skirt with a pink and orange striped shirt and green socks. And then I heard the voice from my past, a cheerful and gruff voice from too many cigarettes, asking this older guy if he needed help with his shrubbery. Dad, what's a flat? Nancy asked. But I was too startled to reply. I just muttered, huh? I tensed some when she came over and asked me if I needed anything. In spite of the crow's feet and those eyes and smile, it was definitely her, an old fantasy made flesh once again. It had been almost 20 years since I worked with Sally at the Holiday Inn where I worked the busboy to her waitress. I was 18. She was a few years older. I was in college. She wasn't. By now, Sally was talking to my girls about what colors they liked and what flowers they grew in the garden. I was too rattled to say anything to her. I was that nervous, naive virgin again. Even when I overheard her tell another customer that she was a waitress in the evenings, had a kid, and did the garden job during the day, I didn't know what to say. I should have said something. Perhaps I didn't want to risk her not remembering me, especially since she still orbited a distant ring of my libido. Having lost 40 pounds too, she may not have recognized me. I would like to think I have aged well. In the end, I bought three perennials and a flat of assorted pansies. As the girls wheeled the cart to Jose to pay by cash, I told them that I knew the woman who sold us the plants. We worked together when I was in college, I said. Why didn't you say anything to her? Malin asked. Yeah, Dad, that's so rude, Nancy replied. But what would I say to the woman who once asked me if I would lick butterscotch off her? This was in the kitchen at the Holiday Inn while I was dressing a room service tray full of condiments. Sally was making a sundae for a customer. Then bluntly she said to me, I need to find someone to satisfy me besides myself. She wielded her waitress trade like a professional, like from a circus act. And Jason isn't doing it for me anymore. At the time, my buddy Tom the cook overheard and laughed. He dubbed her the Butterscotch Queen. The sexual frankness stunned me. I was familiar with male vulgarity, of course, and male urges, but this female parallel was new. And frightening. Now Jason was her insane boyfriend, and sort of like this friend of mine at the hotel who set up banquets and wheeled tables helter-skelter through the hallways, the guy who threw chairs in the back if the Yankees lost, the guy who played hockey in the middle of the kitchen, using the busboys and waitresses as defenders and a knocked-over trash can as a net, the guy who came to work tipsy and bleeding while singing The Grateful Dead, the guy who laughed at me for pining over some woman for a year, the guy who used to invite me over to his hole-in-the-wall apartment covered in Yankee memorabilia for beers and smokes. He would show me naked photos of his girlfriends, and some, his penis made an appearance. I'm as ugly as a jackal, he would say, but if you ask enough girls, you'll always have someone to screw on Saturday night. He was a self-proclaimed dirtball who had no ambition to be anything other than a hotel setup guy. This astounded me, this total lack of ambition. He was a genuine outcast. As long as he had a beer, a smoke, a vagina for Saturday night, the Yankees and the Grateful Dead, well, that was a successful life. And now his girlfriend was hitting on me. I didn't know what to do. 
So I did what cultured folk do. I invited them to play tennis. And when Jason went to fetch a ball, she would wink at me and bend over. The flirtation was obvious. What would I do about Jason? After all, I drank his beers, laughed, and took notes about not putting women on a pedestal. They're like New York taxis, he would claim. You miss one, another one's coming right down the street. Yeah, but his taxi was opening the door for me. And I was kind of anxious for a ride. Sorry. Then a week later, I invited them over to my mom's house in Voorhees for a swim, along with a few other buddies from the hotel. While Jason played a suicide game of basketball, dribbling while smoking his camel, Sally was in the pool with me playing water volleyball, asking me if I liked her wet, white swimsuit. Knowing her large, rather pert and purple nipples distracted my serve. She laughed because I knew I had trouble swimming. And later, as Jason continued to play basketball, Sally led me into the downstairs bathroom to change. She pulled me into the bathroom, kissed me, and said I was quite a sweetie and gave me her number. Meanwhile, I heard Jason slam against the side of the house, calling foul on Hank the Hat, a mild-mannered, head-banging, long-haired dishwasher. I knew Jason would kill me if he ever found out, but I penciled in butterscotch on my mom's grocery list for that week. What's with the butterscotch, she asked. I have a hankering for butterscotch, I told her. But that week, Sally left the hotel. I tried calling her a few times, and the only time I got her was almost midnight. She was drunk. The intricate details of setting up a date seemed too much for me. She wasn't the type to be courted like a lady, and since I fashioned myself after romantic heroes, I was destined to fail. And thank God, right? So that was it. Until I saw her again at the garden center. My wife had a good chuckle as soon as I got home. She said she would be suspicious if I started putting butterscotch on the grocery list and turned her house into Longwood Gardens. Honey, that was 20 years ago, I pleaded. Maybe she knew that men usually retain that 18-year-old brain. Later that week, my daughters and I stopped again for flowers. Honestly, it's a place we visit several times a spring, so don't get any ideas. This time, not wanting to be a pansy, when Sally asked me if we needed anything, I said, Aren't you Sally? Didn't you work at the Holiday Inn? Your boyfriend was Jason. That's when the owner of the farm laughed and said he would leave us to reminisce. You were my busboy, right? She asked. I nodded my head, happy. She said she hadn't seen that dirtball Jason in years. He went one way, I went another, she said. And then she asked me about some of the people who worked at the hotel. I knew everyone, first name and last name, and so many details of their life. That hotel was more than a job for me. It was my fraternity, my stage, my three-ring circus. And I missed the camaraderie. I don't know if she would have remembered the butterscotch episode. She asked me where I lived. In Mullica Hill, I told her. Oh, that's a really nice area, she replied, thinking that I lived in one of those really big mansions, especially since I looked the part in my orange polo and tan shorts with sandals. She smiled the same sly smile she fashioned when she asked me to cover her with butterscotch. Thanks for remembering me, she said. As I walked away from her and shuffled the girls into the Mazda minivan, I thought maybe that's all we really want to be remembered. How much did she really remember? Could she have written an essay about me? Did she go home to her kid and say, you know who I met today? And why did I remember so much about Jason? I don't have anyone remotely like him in my life now. As a proper member of society as I am now as an English teacher and part-time college professor, happily married for all these years with two daughters now in college and a house in the suburbs and ambitions to become the next Ernest Hemingway, I know he's no one I would invite over to wine and a cheese soiree. After all, most of my friends are like me, teachers, a few writers who love books, 
almost all with college and advanced degrees, who share similar political and religious ideas, and boy, we also love a really dank IPA. I'm not sure Jason would even touch an IPA. My field of friends has vastly narrowed since those hotel days, and that's too bad. It has narrowed way too far down. When it comes to life, it's not about mansions and money, but about connection and memory, especially from someone who may have not been so special. Jason was a dangerous outsider who I envied, and Sally made me feel good about myself, even momentarily, like I was desirable. That was a first. Imagine, what would have happened if I didn't worry about dating and being a gentleman and just concentrated on drinking and smearing on the smuckers? Maybe she would have remembered me then, but I'm glad I didn't become a hustling Hefner. On the ride home, Alan asked me if I was friends with that woman. She was one of the girlfriends of one of my buddies, I replied. Did you know her well? She asked. Enough to remember. But I didn't want to tell her that I didn't know her well. I knew her well enough in fantasy. Perhaps that, that, perhaps that's why she lingers, like Jason too, as so many linger, especially from childhood, in the realm of our own making, not as real people, but in the preserved fantasies and fables that never really go away.